Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're starting a new chapter, Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, and we'll read Sections 1 and 2, Introduction, and The Judgment of the Holy Spirit. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for a five-minute remembrance of our lesson for the day, led by inestimable friend. So let me ask you, Lori, do you, do you have a poetic opening for this call this morning? I do, Lamar. Didn't have to go far to find one about gratitude. It's in the book Susceptible to Light by Shailen Harkin. It's called The Worst Thing. The worst thing we ever did was put God in the sky out of reach, pulling the divinity from the leaf, sifting out the holy from our bonds, insisting God isn't bursting dazzlement throughout everything we've made a hard commitment to see as ordinary stripping the sacred from everywhere to put in a cloud man elsewhere prying closeness from your heart the worst thing we ever did was take the dance and song out of prayer made it sit up straight and cross its legs removed it of rejoicing wiped clean its hip sway its questions its ecstatic yell its tears the worst thing we ever did is pretend God isn't the easiest thing in this universe available to every soul in every breath. I thank my Father for his gifts to me. Amen. That was exquisite. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, beautiful, Lori. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was a blessing to me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lori. It's a beautiful unfolding of uh, correction summary I've heard, which is, says, you know, your only real problem is denial of divinity. <laughs> it unfolded very well. But thank you. Um, okay, with us in reading this morning... I have Lori, Fran, Robin Marie, Donna, Harrison, Karen, 
Sandra, and with us in listening, at Rija. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning or join the reading list? Good morning. It's Jessica, and I can read. Great. Thank you, Jessica. Oh, good morning, Lemoyne. It's Lana. And I'm not going to be able to read initially. I'm expecting a phone call, but I might be able to read a little bit later. Okay. We'll still have a, we'll have a call for new readers. Get us started then with chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, Introduction. You have been told not to make error real, and the way to do this is very simple. If you want to believe in error, you would have to make it real, because it is not true. But truth is real in its own right. And to believe in truth, you do not have to do anything. Understand that you do not respond to stimuli, but to stimuli as you interpret them. Your interpretation thus becomes the justification for the response. That is why analyzing the motives of others is hazardous to you. If you decide that someone is really trying to attack you or desert you or enslave you, you will respond as if he had actually done so because you have made his error real to you. To interpret error is to give it power, and having done this, you will over truth. And Lori. Uh, Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, Section 1, Introduction. You have been told not to make error real, and the way to do this is very simple. If you want to believe in error, you would have to make it real because it is not true. But truth is real in its own right. And so to believe in truth, we do not have to do anything. You do not have to do anything. Understand that you do not respond to stimuli, but to stimuli as you interpret them. Your interpretation thus becomes the justification for the response. That is why analyzing the motives of others is hazardous to you. If you decide that someone is really trying to attack you, or desert you, or enslave you, you will respond as if he had actually done so because you've made his error real to you. To interpret error is to give it power, and having done this, you will overlook truth. Two, the analysis of ego motivation is very complicated, very obscuring, and never without the risk of your own ego involvement. The whole process represents a clear-cut attempt to demonstrate your own ability to understand what you perceive. This is shown by the fact that you react to your interpretations as if they were correct and control your reactions behaviorally, but not emotionally. 
This is quite evidently a mental split in which you have attacked the integrity of your mind and pitted one level within it against another. Thank you, Lori and Fran. Two, the analysis of ego motivation is very complicated, very obscuring, and never without the risk of your own ego involvement. The whole process represents a clear-cut attempt to demonstrate your own ability to understand what you perceive. This is shown by the fact that you react to your interpretations as if they were correct and control your reactions behaviorally, but not emotionally. This is quite evidently a mental split in which you have attacked the integrity of your mind and pitted one level within it against another. Section 2, The Judgment of the Holy Spirit, Paragraph 3. There is but one interpretation of all motivation that makes any sense. And because it is the Holy Spirit's judgment, it requires no effort at all on your part. Every loving thought is true. Everything else is an appeal for healing and help. That is what it is, regardless of the form it takes. Can anyone be justified in responding with anger to a plea for help? No response can be appropriate except the willingness to give it to him. For this and only this is what he is asking for. Offer him anything else, and you are assuming the right to attack his reality by interpreting it as you see fit. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. Eleven, God's plan for salvation. Two, the judgment of the Holy Spirit. Three, there is but one interpretation of all motivation that makes any sense. And because it is the Holy Spirit's judgment, it requires no effort at all on your part. Every loving thought is true. Everything else is an appeal for healing and help. That is what it is, regardless of the form it takes. Can anyone be justified in responding with anger to a plea for help? No response can be appropriate except the willingness to give it to him. For this and only this is what he is asking for. Offer him anything else and you are assuming the right to attack his reality by interpreting it as you see fit. For perhaps the danger of this to your own mind is not yet fully apparent to you, but this by no means signifies that it is not perfectly clear. If you maintain that an appeal for help is something else, you will react to something else, and your response will be inappropriate to reality as it is but not your perception of it. This is poor reality testing by definition. There is nothing to prevent you from recognizing all calls for help as exactly what they are, except your own perceived need to attack. It is only this that makes you willing to engage in endless, quote, battles, unquote, with reality, in which you deny the reality of the need for healing by making it, making it unreal. You would not do this except for your unwillingness to perceive reality. 
which you withhold from yourself. Thank you, Robin. And Donna. Four. Perhaps the danger of this to your own mind is not yet fully apparent to you. But this by no means signifies that it is not perfectly clear. If you maintain that an appeal for help is something else, you will react to something else, and your response will be inappropriate to reality as it is but not to your perception of it. This is poor reality testing by definition. There is nothing to prevent you from recognizing all calls for help as exactly what they are, except your own perceived need to attack. It is only this that makes you willing to engage in endless battles with reality in which you deny the reality of the need for healing by making it unreal. You would not do this except for your unwillingness to perceive reality, which you withhold from yourself. Five. It is surely good advice to tell you not to judge what you do not understand. No one with a personal investment is a reliable witness. For truth to him has become what he wants it to be. If you are unwilling to perceive an appeal for help as what it is, it is because you are unwilling to give help and to receive it. The analysis of the ego's quote-unquote real motivation is the modern equivalent of the Inquisition. For in both, a brother's error are uncovered, and he is then attacked for his own good. What can this be but projection? For his errors lay in the minds of his interpreters, for which they punish him. Thank you, Donna. And Eris? Is it surely good advice to tell you not to judge what you do not understand? No one with a personal investment is a reliable witness. For truth to him has become what he wants it to be. If you are unwilling to perceive an appeal for help as what it is, it is because you are unwilling to give help and to receive it. The analysis of the ego's quote-unquote real motivation is the modern equivalent of the Inquisition. 
for both a brother's errors are quote unquote uncovered and he is then attacked for his own good. What can this be but projection? For his errors lay in the minds of his interpreters for which they punish him. Six, whenever you fail to recognize a call for help, you are refusing help. Would you maintain that you do not need it? Yet this is what you are maintaining when you refuse to recognize a brother's appeal. For only by answering his appeal can you be helped. <clears throat> Deny him your help and you will not perceive God's answer to you. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit does not need your help in interpreting motivation, but you do need his. Only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. Gratitude is due him for both his loving thoughts and his appeals for help. For both are capable of bringing love into your awareness if you perceive them truly. And all your sense of strain come from your attempts not to do just this. Thank you, Harrison. And Karen. Six. Whenever you fail to recognize a call for help, you are refusing help. Would you maintain that you do not need it? Yet this is what you are maintaining when you refuse to recognize a brother's appeal. For only by answering his appeal can you be helped. Deny him your help and you will not perceive God's answer to you. The Holy Spirit does not need your help in interpreting motivation, but you do need his. Only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. Gratitude is due him for both his loving thoughts and his appeals for help. For both are capable of bringing love into your awareness, if you perceive them truly. And all your sense of strain comes from your attempts not to do just this. Seven, how simple then is God's plan for salvation? 
There is but one response to reality, for reality evokes no conflict at all. There is but one teacher of reality who understands what it is. He does not change his mind about reality because reality does not change. Although your interpretations of reality are meaningless in your divided state, his remains consistently true. He gives them to you because they are for you. Do not attempt to quote-unquote help a brother in your way, for you cannot help yourselves. But hear his call for the help of God, and you will recognize your own need for the Father. Thank you, Karen. And Sandra. Seven. How simple, then, is God's plan for salvation? There is but one response to reality, for reality invokes no conflict at all. There is but one teacher of reality who understands what it is. He does not change his mind about reality because reality does not change. Although your interpretation of reality, your interpretations of reality are meaningless in your divided state, his remain consistently true. He gives them to you because they are for you. Do not attempt to, quote, help a brother in your way. For you cannot help yourselves. But hear his call for the help of God, and you will recognize your own need for the Father. 8. Your interpretation of your brother's need is your interpretation of yours. By giving help, you are asking for it. And if you perceive but this one need in yourself, you will be healed for you will recognize God's answer as you want it to be. And if you want it in truth, it will be truly yours. Every appeal you answer in the name of Christ brings the remembrance of your Father closer to your awareness. For the sake of your need, then, hear every call for help as what it is so God can answer you. Thank you, Sandra. Jessica. Thanks, Lemoyne. Eight. Your interpretations of your brother's need is your interpretation of yours. By giving help, you are asking for it. And if you perceive but this one need in yourself, you will be healed. For you will recognize God's answer as you want it to be. And if you want it in truth, it will be yours. Every appeal you answer in the name of Christ brings the remembrance of your Father closer to your awareness. For the sake of your need then, hear every call for help as what it is so God can answer you. 
nine. By applying the Bible, the, the sorry, by applying the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the reactions of others more and more consistently, you will gain an increasing awareness that His criteria are equally applicable to you. For to recognize fear is not enough to escape from it. And although the recognition is necessary to demonstrate the need for escape, the Holy Spirit must still translate it into truth. If you were left with the fear, having recognized it, you would have taken a step away from reality, not towards it. Yet we have repeatedly emphasized the need to recognize fear and face it without disguise as a crucial step in the undoing of the ego. Consider how well the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the motives of others will serve you then. Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for 9 and 10? I can do it. This is Reverend Richard Joy. Please go ahead. Uh, 9. By applying the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the reactions of others more and more consistently, you will gain an increasing awareness that His criteria are equally applicable to you. For to recognize fear is not enough to escape from it, although the recognition is necessary to demonstrate the need for escape. The Holy Spirit must still translate it into truth. If you were left with the fear, having recognized it, you would have taken a step away from reality, not towards it. Yet we have repeatedly emphasized the need to recognize fear and face it without disguise as a crucial step in the undoing of the ego. Consider how well the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the motives of others will serve you then. And having, having taught you to accept only loving thoughts in others and to regard everything else as an appeal for help, he has taught you that fear is an appeal for help. That is what recognizing, recognizing it really means. If you do not protect it, he will reinterpret it. That is the ultimate value to you in learning to perceive attack as a call for love. We have learned surely that fear and attack are inevitably associated. If only attack produces fear, and if you see attack as a call for love that it is, the unreality of fear must dawn upon you, for fear is a call for love in unconscious recognition of what has been denied. Thank you, Reverend Rita. And our senior leader, please you N. Um, Lemoyne, I can read it. This is Lana. All right, great. Go ahead. Okay, ten. Having taught you to accept only loving thoughts in others and to regard everything else as an appeal for help. He has taught you that fear is an appeal for help. 
This is what recognizing it really means. If you do not protect it, he will reinterpret it. That is the ultimate value to you in learning to perceive attack as a call for love. We have learned surely that fear and attack are inevitably associated. If only attack produces fear, and if you see attack as the call for help that it is, the unreality of fear must dawn upon you. For fear, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> for fear is a call for love in unconscious recognition of what has been denied. And did you want me to continue? Um, no, thank you. Oh, okay. I didn't actually check the guy. Okay, yeah, because I'm seeing I don't have any more to read anyway. (laughs) Okay. No, that's perfect. Fear is a call for love in unconscious recognition of love that I need to Okay. Well, um, to summarize this quickly, not complicating or starts with, uh, you have been told not to make error real. And the way to do this is very simple. If you want to believe in error, you would have to make it real because it's not true. Understand you do not respond to stimuli, but to stimuli you interpret them. Your interpretation becomes the justification for the response. That is why analyzing motives of others is having you. To interpret error is to give it power, and having done this, you will open truth. The analysis of ego motivation is very complicated, very obscure, never without the risk of your own ego involvement. The whole process is a clear-cut attempt demonstrate your own self to understand what you perceive. This is shown by the fact that you react to your interpretation as if they were correct and control your reaction behavior, but not emotion. This is quite evidently a mental split in which you have attacked the integrity of your mind and pitted one level within it against another. To answer here, in section two, the judgment of the Holy Spirit, there is but one interpretation of all motivation that makes sense. And because it is, 
the Holy Spirit's judgment, it requires no effort at all on your part. Every loving thought is true. Everything else is an appeal for healing and help. That is what it is, regardless of the form it takes. Can anyone be justified in responding with anger to a plea for help? No response can be appropriate except the willingness to give help to him. For this and only this is what is asked. Offer him anything else, and you are assuming the right to attack his reality by interpreting him as you. There is nothing to prevent you from recognizing all calls for help, exactly what they are, except your own perceived need to attack. It is only this that makes you willing to engage in endless, quote-unquote, battles with reality in which you deny the reality of the need for healing by making it up. You would not do this except for your own unwillingness to perceive reality by which you withhold it only from yourself. Whenever you fail to recognize the call for help, you are refusing. Would you maintain that you do not need it? Yet this is what you are maintaining when you refuse to recognize the appeal, for only by answering this appeal can you be helped. Deny him your help, and you will not perceive God's answer you. The Holy Spirit does not need your help in interpreting motivation, but you do need it. Only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. Gratitude is to him for both his loving thoughts and his appeals for help, but both are capable of bringing love into your awareness if you perceive them truth. And all your sense of strain from your attempts not to do just that. How simple then is God's plan for salvation? There is but one response to reality. For reality, you don't know conflict at all. There is but one teacher of reality who understands what it is. He does not change his mind about reality because reality does not change. Although your interpretations of reality meaning in your divided state is the main true. He gives them to you that they are for you. Hear your brother's call for the help of God and you will recognize your own for the Father. Your interpret from eight your interpretations of your brother's need is your interpretation by giving help, you are asking for, asking for help. And if you perceive that there's one need in yourself, 
you will be healed. For the sake of your need, then, hear every call for help as what it is, so God can answer you. Then, by applying the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the reactions of others, more and more consistent, you will gain an increasing awareness that his criteria are equally applicable to you. For to recognize fear is not enough to escape from. The Holy Spirit must still translate the truth. You were left with the fear having recognized You would have taken a step away from not toward Yet we have repeatedly emphasized the need to recognize fear and face it without disguise as a crucial step in the ego. Consider how well the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the motives of others will serve you. Having taught you to accept only loving thoughts in others, regard everything else as an appeal for help, he has taught you that fear is an appeal for help. This is what recognizes really. This is the ultimate value back to that value. If you do not protect it, if you do not protect you, he will reinterpret. That is the ultimate value to you in learning to perceive attack as a call for love. We have learned surely that fear and attack are inevitably associated. If only attack produces fear, and if you see attack as the call for help that is, the unreality of fear must dawn upon For fear is a call for love in unconscious recognition of what has been Thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. You're welcome. Very simple. Very simple. World You're a little faint, Lemoyne. All right, I apologize. Um, and uh, yeah, I am very thankful for the simplicity of this interpretation. Every loving thought is true. Everything else. Is a call for you and for help. And so, uh, friend, would you uh, bring forth the lesson today? Sure. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on lesson 123. I thank my father for his gifts to me. So I shall read some from the lesson and then we'll do a five-minute meditation on the lesson. Okay. I thank my father for his gifts to me. 
Today, let us be thankful. We have come to gentler pathways and to smoother roads. There is no thought of turning back. A day devoted now to gratitude will add the benefit of some insight into the real extent of all the gains which you have made, the gifts you have received. Be glad today in loving thankfulness your Father has not left you to yourself, nor let you wander in the dark alone. Give thanks that he has not abandoned you, and that his love forever will remain shining on you forever without change. Today, in gratitude, we lift our hearts above despair and raise our thankful eyes, no longer looking downward to the dust. Today, we smile on everyone we see. And thanks to you for listening to him. His word is soundless if it be not heard. And thanking him, the thanks are yours as well. Receive the thanks of God today as you give thanks to him. For he would offer you the thanks you give since he receives your gifts in loving gratitude. Receive his thanks and offer to him yours for 15 minutes twice today. Receive his thanks and you will understand how lovingly he holds you in his mind, how deep and limitless his care for you, how perfect is his gratitude to you. Remember hourly to think of him and give him thanks for everything he gave his son that he might rise above the world remembering his father and his self. Now we'll take our five-minute reflection on Lesson 123. I thank my father for his gifts to me.
Today, let us be thankful. We have come to gentler pathways and to smoother roads, and there is no thought of turning back. Lesson 123, I thank my Father for his gifts to me. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, friend. I thank my father for his gifts to me. One of his gifts is you, friend, and all of you. I'm complete. Oh, that was sweet, Ida. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's the truth, Ida. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Ida. I agree. Good morning. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Fran. It's Mindy. Um, I especially appreciated the statement, um, you know, accept my father's gifts for me, and we have come to gentle pathways, and there was no thought of going back. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, that is like... Oh, <laughs> and, you know, such peace and calm assurance, treading the, the path of God, you know. His hand will guide the path I trod, and I'll never walk alone when I walk with God. Um, and I thought, yeah, that, that just feels so beautiful, and I can, I can do that. I can continue to be gentle with myself and just forgive and know that there's nothing that happened in my past that shouldn't have happened and that I need to like turn around and fix. Um, Not so. And I thought, what would cause me to want to turn around and fix something instead of just be thankful and forgiveness and just know that all is well now and all of us are being given what we need, the love we need. And the thought was guilt, guilt. You know, I thought, oh, you know, I feel guilty about this. And so... I don't feel worthy, and now I have to fix what I feel guilty about. And, oh, I can see, yeah, there's a real temptation there to, you know, I can see the ego. So um, I'm asking the Holy Spirit. You know, I I just saw that clearly, and um, I don't want to, you know, get attached to that anyway. I just want to, to see that as a temptation. Guilt is really a temptation. It's... um allowing the ego to be in charge again by saying something needs to be different um, and taking responsibility for it. So um, I'm glad to see that roadblock. I realize I'm a little afraid of it. So my prayer today is to ask the Holy Spirit to make me aware of any temptation, especially guilt, that would make me turn around instead of looking at where I really am 
and looking at love and looking at the final destination, which is God and love, full God realization, and to not be afraid of it and to heal it for me, to give me the thought that I need. So I can just let go of it and be in the place where I'm safe, where I know I'm not mortal, I'm not, I'm not full of sin, I'm not fallible, I am love and in love and all is well. <laughs> and I thank the Holy Spirit for helping me to see the temptation, not to give into it and release it and be on that beautiful, beautiful path. Like I'm thinking like the Wizard of Oz going to the Emerald City with all my companions through the beautiful enchanted forest. And that's where I want to be. And I just want to keep looking forward to the beautiful Emerald City and enjoying my companions as we walk towards it. Thanks. <laughs> In gentleness and forgiveness. Amen. I'm complete. That's sweet. Thank, Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. I think the love that uh, that we have for God, for God is love, is the most important love we have. But... Running a close second to that would be our love and our acceptance and support of ourselves and our knowing that uh, we are not full of sin and we have nothing to feel guilty about. No matter what we appeared to have done or not done or said or not said, Jesus says in the Course, we have never sinned. Um, Also, he says the past that you remember does not exist. He actually says there is no class. He acknowledges time, that there's a future that we're going towards and we want it to be better, but also the ultimate unreality of even the future. When we have a holy instant, it's always in the now moment. It's never in the past or the future. When we have a miracle, it's always in this moment now and here. The only time and space there really is. <laughs> Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you. Can you guys hear me? I'm driving. Loud and clear. Yes. Yeah. I want to just declare my gratitude for this opportunity of this human life where I have the opportunity to know what I call the infinite or God or or me, the capital M. You're grateful for this short time, for the opportunity to know that. Because when when I am no longer here, I don't know whether I can know that because there won't be a knower and a no, a knower and a no, or maybe there will be. I don't know, but I do know that right now it's in a city. And given that it's mortal and given that it ends, makes it even more precious. So many lives, so many breaths in a life, each one, the one I just took, never to be retrieved. It's gone. So this mortal life 
reminds me every time I think of it to take, to just be astounded, be conscious this opportunity to know my creator. Yes, it is astonishing. Thank you, thank you, Steve. Martin Luther, the author of the church I was taken to when I was a kid, said in his, his famous song, The Body They May Kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. But we know when forever is, right? My first spiritual teacher, Leo Russell, in this life told me, now is eternity. Eternity thus endeth in now. And that's what forever is. It's now, 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 of course. Infinitely shorter time than the time it takes me to say it, but um, that's what it is. And it's all available to us now. All the love, all the real power, the power of God. The power of love is greater than the love of power. And we have to remember that when we watch the news, <laughs> you know, and all that, or see things in the newspapers, if anybody reads them anymore. Um, thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Very good. Good morning, Karen. Um, I just love the introduction to the reading today so much. I want to send it to my daughter. Uh, she wouldn't like it, and she wouldn't read it if she knew where it was from. But I think that understanding interpretation is one of the greatest, greatest gifts of reading the Course, to understand that the, the ego mind goes to its past learning and its past reference points, and it just moves up an interpretation, and then it projects the interpretation outward. It says um, in that, it says that uh, it says that you will respond as if what you believe has actually happened. And you give error power by doing that. That analysis of ego motivation is very complicated and never without the risk of your own ego involvement. I just seem to be hearing it more and more in the world that, you know, everybody is just trying to understand, trying to interpret 
interpret what other people are thinking and then their re- interpretations become the justification for their responses. You will respond as if what, it, what you think has happened or what you make up is actually true. I just, I just find that so powerful and so rich that if we could just stop that one ego thing interpreting and only give our interpretations over to the Holy Spirit. Forget all our past learning, past reference points. Everything is interpreted through past learning. Anyway, I just think that's just so powerful if, if it could just become mainstream in the, in the general consciousness to have an awareness of that. The world would change. And the other thing that really really blew me away in the reading today is there is a call for love in unconscious recognition of what has been denied. And then in the next section, the first line is fear is a symptom of your deep sense of loss. So what has been denied is God and fear is a call for love because we're still looking for that love. If we just unravel what fear means, not being afraid to look at it and not giving it any power, again, it's like it's so life-changing. You know, the whole ego belief system is based on fear. The foundation is fear. To understand that fear is at, at, at its core a call for God, a longing for God, a longing to go home. But it's unconscious for me. I'm complete. Thank you. That's beautiful, Thank you. Karen. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Karen. Just beautiful, Karen. I love that, Karen. This is Sandra. Um, that fear is a call for God, and I think a lot of calls for love are based in fear. Um, and I, I always think I need to do something, you know, give money, do something. <laughs> and then I, and then I think, no, 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 that's not necessary. And I just got it just as I was listening to everybody this morning that it's a call for God. I, I don't have to do anything except pray for that situation or that person um, and then I don't have to worry about enabling anything or, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there looking for money and they know that, um, I don't know, that I just don't, I have a, a lot of trust issues for those people who are looking for money or looking for something. And I think of the word enabling because the one thing that I appreciate about my uh, <laughs> a very strict upbringing, I I don't know, it was just strict, but it was to the point of craziness, was that I had to start to think for myself. I had to start to figure things out for myself. And that, when I, and I, and, you know, who's the I? The I is my Holy Spirit and my, and me my Holy Spirit, my higher mind, which has always been with me, has never left. I just need to access it. 
And the way that I access it is not to feel guilty, not to feel ashamed, not to feel resentful or angry. It's to just know that I can turn it all over to my Holy Spirit, my higher mind, because my lower mind doesn't always know what the heck is going on here. But my higher mind does. And so I can turn to my higher mind. And my higher mind just told me this morning that I can always pray for somebody or some situation. That is the biggest gift I can give. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Amen. I just keep enjoying. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, it's me. Always knowing not when to jump in or when to jump in, but I just wanted to say before I go off to work, I'm so thankful to have my heart uh, broken open again this morning. Just feels wonderful to have an open heart. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank you, Robin. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Robin I want, I want to thank you fairly specifically there, Sandra, because I think that that response to to the more extreme calls for help, which are pretty far gone in projection and just look like maybe like pure attack. Um, uh, that response to, to pray is what that what the section ends up with, you know. The way that is see with the eyes of the Holy Spirit that, that is a call for help. And let it remind me that I don't know what's going on over there that has caused them to be so lost. 
mistakes have been made and we're all tangled up in them, but at times, but that response then, to know that he's just calling for help, let it remind me to call for help from, you know, the one teacher is, uh, yeah, it's just a real clear sign of, of uh, I mean, that's what section intends to teach us. So thank you for making it clear. Thank you, LeMoyne. Yeah. Thank you, LeMoyne. It is an expression of that let me know my brother. Yeah. Even, even in error. The error behind that. We're all in this together. There. Now. Yeah, I think it's a good beginning to start with at least prayer. And then instead of, because I start spinning around in circles like, whoa, whoa, what am I supposed to do here? Am I being, what's some, you know, and then I start questioning myself. Am I being you know, uh, um, distrustful of the, you know, the world, but <laughs> it's just like, which I'm, of course I am, but <laughs> I start really second guessing myself. And, um, and I think that the first, the, my first line would be to go and just pray for that person in that situation or that circumstance. And then if I'm still guided to do more, then do more, but immediately go to prayer. And that way I don't have to figure out what's going on on the other end. You know, it's like I don't have to even think, um, uh, am I enabling or anything like that? I don't have to go there. I can just start with prayer. I'm complete. Thank you. And prayer brings peace. It brings peace to us and peace to the other person. Yeah, I think... uh, you brought up a really important thing. Thank you, Sandra. Hi, it's Karen again. I just wanted to say something about the lesson. Um, I had a very, very, you know, tough childhood for a period of time. But before that really horrible part started, I had um, Catholic school and First Communion and processions in in the basement of the church, which was like catacombs, you know. There was something, some seed that was planted before the trauma. And at different times during the bad times, the period that was very dark, I prayed to Jesus and Jesus came, you know, momentarily. But I felt, I felt once or twice that, you know, I was, it was confirmed there was a God. And I am just so very grateful for the life I was given. And had I not had all that trauma, 
maybe I wouldn't have had to find God. Maybe I would have been able to be forgetful in this world and not want God so badly. But I had so much darkness that I, I had no choice. And I have had such a beautiful life. I had seven years with my first teacher and then, you know, 20 years with Alma, part of which she has this example of like a spoon of sugar and the spoon of sugar is like a spoon of grace. But some people, because of their egos, have ants on the bottom of the spoon. And that that makes me think of my life. But I had a big, huge, heaping spoon of sugar in my life in so many ways, so much grace and so much blessing and so much experience of the bliss of the divine. And um, this lesson today is, is about gratitude. And I have so much gratitude. I just want to say that out loud. I'm complete. Yeah, that's beautiful, Karen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's a beautiful place to abide. Thank you, Karen. I believe in the power of prayer, too. Um, and I should pray more. I'm not guilty myself, but I should. <laughs> because Jesus says in the Course, and I quote, Prayer is the medium of miracles. And that some way, somehow in, in there, he says that, you know, I get the impression that when we talk about the thoughts which are not of God that I have versus the thoughts that are of God, <clears throat> and, you know, that I think we've got, that God's thoughts are more like prayers, right? So, um, Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. I'm going to add that we already know all of this. It's, it's all already happened in that first tiny instant when we had the mad idea to separate and God created the Holy Spirit to help us. He says in the Course more than once that um, it's all already happened. We're just remembering but we can make a choice what we choose to remember. The good stuff or the bad stuff. <laughs> um, I say that lightly. But the good stuff is God. Like they say in unity, God, the good, omnipotent. Um, God is in us. And time isn't real. It's all already happened. All we have to do is realize it. Simple, but maybe not easy. That's what time is for. 
to give us the time, right, to realize it, to make it real in our eyes, to see it in 3D reality. The holy instant, miracles, and the real world. We realize all that. The Holy Son of God, Holy Daughter of God, as one, then we also realize that there never was any time or place except heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and we've always been there. Um, and we always will be there together in love as one with each other. And tomorrow's lesson, let me remember I am one with God. So we're one with God as well. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Yeah, thank you, Ida. Yeah, thank you, Ida. This is Donna. Uh, this is Donna. <clears throat> Paragraph six, the word appreciation jumped out at me. And um, then I heard the, the word now, now, now. So it kind of um, brought together what, what I originally saw during our quiet time. So <clears throat> that sentences, uh, only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. And I basically, I guess, interpreted it. Um, seen as sibling in or as Christ, this interferes with temptation to judge and lets Holy Spirit work in both to heal the world by waking and uncovering the truth now. Um, and from the word um, now, um, appreciation lets us start with the premise, all are perfect now, now, now <laughs> and I have one testimony about the reading yesterday oh my god that reading I'm still flying with it <clears throat> on um, gifts it was about gifts right that was our lesson maybe anyway <clears throat> so I went to my I had to leave which I'm finding painful <laughs> Uh, anyway, I had to leave for an appointment yesterday. After my appointment, I went to the bank to cash a couple of checks. And uh, you know, I'm I'm paying. I'm looking at the tellers when they are counting my money. Uh, some some are more exaggerated to make sure that you see they're giving you everything, and others perhaps not quite so. So the teller yesterday counted the money out. And, and handed it to me, and I took it and, and left. And I'm uh, in my car, and the Holy Spirit says, 
Holy Spirit speaks in inclinations to me. But anyway, and the Holy Spirit said, count the money. <laughs> I counted the money. And it was, there was $5 too much. And I thought, well, how can that be? And I thought, what should I do? Should I embarrass this teller? Uh, which, but she'll be wrong. How did they, I mean, I had this conversation, which actually now I look at it as good. Or should I just, you know, be compassionate, go ahead and leave? And then, or, but wait a minute, she'll be $5 short at the end of the day. Gee, that's not going to work. So, um, and, and, and I noticed that the two $5 bills I got were beat up and one was bent. So they were apparently stuck together. And uh, <clears throat> so I went back into the, had to wait a long time. And I thought, oh, every, some people are going to keep coming and ask me, why are you here? Why are you here? But I just stood at the table and it's like nobody noticed I was there. And then um, the person who had followed me was there for a very long time. And she ended up having to pass him off to somebody else. So I'm standing at this counter, apparently not visible, and then I start to walk to her. And um, she says, oh, you're back again. And there was such a something in that comment. I'm thinking she said, I was thinking she would think I would think it like I used to think in the old days. But that just did something to me. So I went to the counter and I just quietly told her what had happened. And she was a very quiet individual. The quiet gratitude. She did say thank you, but the quiet gratitude that exuded from her was absolutely magnificent. So that was the the biggest gift to me yesterday. But everything about this reading yesterday was extraordinarily beautiful, and I got a prayer, which I'm now apparently always getting prayers. But it was very special because yesterday wasn't the day I was born again, but yesterday was the day my mother brought me into the dream so I could be here and get through all my attempts to destroy myself to be a part of this class. I am so grateful, and thanks for that word now. Amen, and I am complete. That's wonderful, Donna. Oh, that was just beautiful, Donna. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, Donna. Thank you. Tremendous. By the way, I never count the money. I never recount the money. So that made, confirmed it was all Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is Karen. Oh, thank you, Donna. That was really nice, just reminding us how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It's just a really great example. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I just wanted to say one little thing. It's about the course. You know, I didn't express my explicit gratitude for the course, and today's lesson is like a gratitude lesson to me. But um, 
the Course is so miraculous. Of course, it says it's a Course in Miracles, but it's such a Course in Miracles. I mean, first it explains to us about fear and guilt, that they are destructive, you know, and that they're not true, and then judgment, and then perceptions and beliefs, and now interpretations. I mean, it feels like it's just deconstructing the layers and layers of falsehood in my mind. And it's so rational that it just makes perfect sense. And so the truth of it is really beyond um, analyzing, beyond any kind of like doubt or question. And I just, I just can't get over it. And I didn't say it before when I was saying how much gratitude I'm feeling, but I'm so grateful for the course and, and so grateful that we have this call to, you know, to say it out loud, to talk about it, process it, to integrate it, you know, to put it in our own words and download it and to share other people's understanding and to read the course together every single day is a prayer. It's an absolute prayer, a prayer for healing for the whole mind of humanity, not just, you know, just, and that we are not separate, you know. Prior to the Course in Miracles, the understanding of not being separate, it was too big. It was too big to understand that we are not separate and that the ego is about separation. All these things, it's just, the Course in Miracles is the most supreme gift. And having this call and Reverend Pam's call, it's just, it's like every day we, we pray together. We hold the mind of God together. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that was phenomenal, Karen. I sure share that gratitude. Yes, thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, I feel the same way, Karen. Thanks. I was drawn back to the principle. The miracles are everyone's right, but purification is necessary first. And the way you walk through that whole deconstruction, you know, the way the course starts to pull apart the tangled webs we read, um, is the uh, yeah, it's necessary. Purification is necessary. We can recognize what we really want. <laughs> What's really there as our birthright. But again, Thanks, LeMoyne. Thank you so much for your service, LeMoyne. And thank you for uh, reframing that again for me. Complete.
Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And uh, a lot of good stuff in this reading today. Um, but I'm also enamored down on paragraph six. Only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother, both for his loving thoughts and his call for love, because both have the ability to bring love into your awareness. Mostly what I was thinking about this morning um, was an occasion uh, years ago when I had a professor, loving professor, whom I didn't know, but he called me to come to his office for tea. <laughs> and it was a very surprising very surprising occasion and, and he wanted me to talk about uh, a journal entry I'd given him and um, I was young at the time and I remember feeling feeling all that love that was coming from him and also feeling a sense that I couldn't meet his eyes and I, I didn't understand that. Uh, all that love uh, just made me aware that um, I needed love, which was something I'd been aware of. Um, and, and bringing it back to this reading, the interpretation of the Holy Spirit or the judgment of the Holy Spirit, uh, I'm reminded of in the principles of miracles how he said we absolutely need Christ's guidance um, in order to know what to do or when to do it or how to do it especially when um, I recognize that I can't tolerate a lack of love I can't tolerate it uh, it feels really bad it feels really bad in someone else and it feels really bad in myself and the only way I can correct that lack of love is through Christ's guidance um, and it turns out that well here's how he says it a miracle is an act of thought whereby two minds realize their oneness and become glad that act of thought I, I can't do that on my own I have to have guidance for that and whenever I receive guidance it's this wonderful recognition that there's something wonderful about meeting another soul without feeling like you have to fix them that I can't arrive at by myself you know when I uh, when I a brother um, and share the notion that there's a problem I am making that problem real to myself and then having made it real it becomes something that I feel like I have to make unreal but there's a wonderful thing uh, about Christ's guidance because it gets me the recognition that there's nothing that needs to be fixed and when I realize there's nothing that needs to be fixed, 
love returns to my awareness. It's amazing how that works. I was thinking about it this morning. I had another one of those nights I couldn't sleep and I thought, what what is, you know, what is it he's asking us to do here except give the miracles I have received or recognize it's the privilege of the forgiven to forgive and it's not a lot of time to think about that. And I remembered um, also when I was young, I read a book called Why Am I Afraid to Love? And Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? I was so taken up with those books. Uh, so inspired, you know, this is, comes from outside me, another guy's perspective. Um, it, it was groundbreaking to my mind. And I... I got those books and I gave them as a Christmas gift to my mother and she was so hurt it still hurts me to feel how hurt she was because she took it as though I were telling her she had been bad at loving me Christ's guidance spares me that because if I rely on myself uh, I don't know what to give and I don't know what to receive. So as I was thinking about it this morning, giving as I have received, I was thinking there's a tension when I meet someone I don't know. There's always a little tension right there in that space. And when I recognize that tension, that tension is a call to give as I've received. The minute I do, that tension is gone. I've recognized myself. If I fail to respond to that tension, that tension, I've denied, and I think that's what Steve was saying, I've denied myself an opportunity to appreciate appreciate the opportunity to exchange the love of God. And that's why I'm back at paragraph six. Only appreciation. Only appreciation of a brother. Because without each other, we don't know that love is in us. Um, And that's, um, that's why I'm so grateful for this group. Because, um, of the opportunity to discover what's in here and to um, and to appreciate it. I'm complete. Wow, thank you. Thanks for that. Thanks, Laurie. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Uh, this is Donna. And what you said, Lori, is what I'm beginning to see. What I'm beginning to walk in myself. It's so incredible to have, oh, this is actually what I'm now moving in. And you speak it and confirm it for me. So I can't talk myself out of being quote-unquote, in a holy place. I already am. And 
And what came to me, and just flows as I listened, was another understanding for me on how to let, uh, when we see someone we want, that quote-unquote seems to have a problem, we want to find a way to, to immediately do something, and that means we're trying to do it at this level, and that only puts us in the same picture. So what I saw, again, a little differently is seeing the problem keeps it real. Take that instant of error, give it to the Holy Spirit to heal to erase separateness and let the Holy Spirit's purpose be accomplished. Thank you for that, Lori. I am so blessed. I am complete. Oh, you say it so well, Donna. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. That was perfect. It was exactly another way of reframing what Lori had said, which is if we see the problem in another person, we're making it real. And where I thought of it is just open to the Holy Spirit and be in the Holy Spirit and not the problem. Receive the Holy Spirit and be in the Holy Spirit with the other person that their problems will be affected differently and complete. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, Karen, and thanks, Lori. I I wanted to um, just refer to your statement of uh, I wouldn't know the love inside of me if I didn't have my brothers and sisters. I thought that was brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely true. This is Donna. Just prior to um, your us moving uh, to your speaking, Lori, Lemoyne went back to a miracle, and so I just happened to flip back because um, I was looking for something else, and I came upon uh, Miracle Forty Two, uh, paragraph sixty three on page ten of my book, which so simply says. As ye perceive, so shall ye behave. I am complete. That's one of my favorites. (laughs) Golden rule of behavior. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Um, I also came across, because I knew I was looking at principles. I came across the, the one that says, Miracles as such do not matter. The only thing this is two, and the principle too. Miracles as such do not matter. The only thing that matters is their story, which is 
far beyond human evaluation. It could be called love. It's free. It's miracles occur naturally. And I got from your share, <clears throat> Donna, the sense that, you know, that gratitude that you inspired and felt from that seller was the real blessing. Time, the time that you spent was not <clears throat> the real result. Was not saving her five dollars, <laughs> which might have been not for her pay, but hiring that bread. So she can know love, even even as a bank though. The bank. This is Donna. Thank you, Lemoyne. It is true. Her gratitude was a gift. But the whole scene was a, a gift. It was like no one saw me. I was so obvious. If I was living totally at the other room, people would have been... Anyway, I don't want to go there. I don't want to kill that. What I want to say is, is, is I also have an intuition after the fact that that was just the way the Holy Spirit got me back into the bank. That he needed himself physically in the bank. Why? I won't know till this is over if we are given a snapshot of what these moments mean. So I really think it wasn't about a simple mistake. It was an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do something huge. And I really am going to stand by that when I am complete. Oh, but boy, that's great, Donna. Yeah, I think that's what he's talking about in paragraph five when he talks about personal investment. Oh. Where I'm not invested personally, I can be a tool. That's, that's great. Yeah, this is Sandra. <clears throat> what I'm seeing here and hearing here is that your will is determining your perception. My will determines my perception. So I have perception, but it's my will to align my perception with the truth of God, with this information that I'm given from these books. I'm complete. Yeah. Thank you, Sandra. Good morning. Patricia here to let Donna know that I got a huge deposit from her story, from the living, eternal power of her story. I kept hearing, oh, have you ever been more wealthy, Patricia? It's like I I have never 
receive such confirmation as I did this morning, living evidence, because this paragraph of appreciation, it grabbed my tongue and it twisted it all around a few years ago. And then I found myself many times not knowing where that paragraph was in the book, but somewhere else in discussion reading the book and then using this, oh, wait a minute, if it isn't a voice of appreciation, then silence is the only place to go. And then I ask internally, because this book told me, I've got, if you can't say something of appreciation, you don't say nothing at all. And I've gone on with a knowing without an understanding. And it's been very uncomfortable at times when, for example, more recently my daughter and son came with very urgent crisis that I was a pivotal part of and they needed action from their mom. And there I sat had no choice. There's no going back. I did not have anything I could say because I had not found this place where I could seek something of appreciation. And then when their disturbance sort of made me realize, oh, it's okay. I can feel this. I don't understand. Suddenly, a voice came out of me so honest and sincere, saying, you kids, do you know how proud I am and how good I feel as your mother? I appreciate so much the ability for you guys to say such terrifying things and not be afraid to tell me what you really feel. You know how a mother feels now, but you don't have to hold back some of the ugliest stuff. It's so such a revelation to be here and have that sense of freedom that you can speak the way you did while I was stunned more than they were. What silence has been doing in its uncomfortable place. But to share this morning, I never knew what silent appreciation felt like for the other person. And God is just filling my account. He's telling me you've never been more wealthy from this deposit this woman made when she went back in that bank. And then sharing. Patricia, all these years and all these eternity forward, when you are silent and you're looking for appreciation, you know now what they're receiving, this golden, warm embrace. Even when they're disturbed, something in that silence is real, more real than you'll ever know. 
just tell you, it's so alive in me. I'm talking about what we're living, not what we're proposing could be. We're living this. And the value of this silence, looking for, even at times now it comes out with, wow, look how much passion that man fighting has. Look how devoted he is to his cause. There is always something to appreciate. But it stays in silence a lot. And then it's brewing God's voice that came through you all this morning and filled my bank account. Thank you. Boy, that went full circle. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Lovely. Thank you, Patricia. I love that, Patricia. This is Sandra. And um, I always say, and I've told other people too, that coming to these meetings and participating is like putting money in the bank. I'm complete. (laughs) That's great. I love it. Hi, it's Karen again. Um, Since today was like a gratitude lesson, um, I thought I might share something I wrote, if that's okay. Love to hear it. Okay, this song, um, but I'm not going to sing it. I'll just read it. And uh, I wrote it in 1990. Thank you for the flowers, Lord. Their beauty feeds my soul. I thank you for the sky and trees, the wonders of this world. Thank you, my Lord, for your gentle ways of caring and compassion, for tender love and truthful sight. I thank you, my sweet beloved, for my new life. I thank you for the laughter. The simple joys which have now begun to grow. 
I thank you for the peace and light inside, which through your grace I've come to know. I thank you for all that you have taught to me, for your mercy and compassion. Your ever-constant belief in me, your kindness, and your consistency. I thank you for finding me this time around, for reaching your hand when I was way, way down, for walking the steep path at my side and being so patient with my slow stride, for the depths of your understanding, which I cannot comprehend. I thank you, my Lord, most of all, for being my best friend. I bow at your feet a million times. I am your servant, Lord. I am your child, and you are mine. You are the sun, the stars, the world. Oh, divinity, the miracle of life. I thank you, my sweet beloved, for the light. I'm complete. That was so beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing it. I thank you. Yeah, that's the second time I heard it, and I can't hear it enough. It's so spectacular. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Karen. And so, <laughs> so lovely and dreamy. Oh, eleven fifteen. Um, I I think that there's one more thing you called bring, and uh, then I'd like to ask you to close the call for. But let me close the recorded portion. And that is um, just to end a through line. What the, what is the section by the judgment of all spirit, <clears throat> which requires no effort at all on our stated that every loving thought is true. Everything else is an appeal for healing and help. And what points to what this uh, what this course might say that is based on is one with which is stated in the section, what is the last judgment? That this is God's final judgment. This is God's final judgment. You are still my holy child, forever innocent, forever loving, and forever loved, as limitless as your creator and completely changed 
and forever pure. Therefore, awaken and remember and turn to me. I am your Father and you are my Son. You faded away a, a bit at the end there, Lemoyne. Well, I sorry if I faded too much, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's since I see that as since I inserted the word remember, I see that this is a call to and remember, you know, if your loving thought is true, everything else is called for healing throughout, and that the purpose, you know. What that does for us is remember, is help us to remember the same truth for us. And that's shared. But I believe we'll heal all the ills of the world. Yeah. Lori, do you have one of your already talking? Recording? Um, am I off mute? I think I am. Yeah. You are. Um, well, you know what? I, I just love this. It's from Lesson 195. We thank our Father for one thing alone, that we are separate from no living thing and therefore one with Him. And we rejoice that no exceptions ever can be made which would reduce our wholeness nor impair or change our function to complete the one who is himself completion. We give thanks for every living thing, for otherwise we offer thanks for nothing and we fail to recognize the gifts of God to us. Give thanks in sincerity and let your gratitude make room for all who will escape with you. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you all for being here. Beautiful call. Great introduction to GPS. <laughs> <laughs>